Okay, so I'm always a firm believer of basically um, as soon as you uh, as soon as you um, learned a new skill and ability to basically optimize the skill and ability and and then work on this um, and on, on on these skills. And as soon as you are a master of these, you basically give it away and you teach someone else how to do it. And then you go on to the next thing and learn something else. It's Andre, and this is The Pioneers Show. The show where we talk innovators, makers, entrepreneurs, basically people who are trailing their own trails and creating their own lives so that we all can learn how to work on our own lives. If this is your first time, I really appreciate you taking the time for listening to this episode. Subscribe and enjoy listening to The Pioneers of today. And if you're a repeat listener, welcome back. This is episode 23, and I'm your host, Andre Talkerk. You can find me at It's DeAndre on Twitter, as well as the show at Pioneers Show on Instagram. In today's show, I bring you Max Bauermeister. He's the co-founder of ArgoS, a very intriguing startup that is trying to develop what they call an operating system for organization. He knows Nicholas Steiker from early in this podcast, and he once again tackled the topics of holacracy and self-management, a topic that I am deeply, deeply fascinated by. In this conversation, we go through Max's story, his work as an HR person going on to management consulting and now a co-founder of a startup. We also go through Max's views on automation, learning new skills and how we can work to make ourselves better every day. I really hope this conversation serves as an idea how you can always keep improving and learning new topics. Without talking a lot more, let's jump into the conversation with Max Bauermeister. Welcome to the show, Max. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm uh, looking forward to this now. I'm very, uh, yeah, I like to be interviewed, right? I, I've done a lot of interviews in my life where I interviewed people and now... Uh, now it's the time the tables have turned. Exactly, turn. yeah. So I'm looking forward. So Max, by the way, welcome to the Pioneer Show. It's a great honor to have you here. And it's actually something that I'm quite glad I have you here. I remember when I walked into Factory the first time. Factory Berlin is a co-working community space in Berlin. And you were the one, way, wow, you do podcasts. I love those things. And yeah. we had a great conversation. So Max, thank you very much for being here. And I'm glad, very glad to have you on the Pioneer Show. So for people at home who don't know who you are, care to give us a presentation. Yeah, so sure. So um, I was basically born and raised in Berlin. Uh, went to school here to a bilingual school called Jennifer Kennedy School, which is um, basically yeah, American and German. Um, and then uh, after uh, school, I decided to go to uh, university in, in London um, and um, studied there. Um, business with a specific focus on HR, actually, mm-hmm. um, and then got into my first job. So we can start out right from there. What was your first job, by the way? So it was actually Groupon. Uh, it was uh, basically back in the day when um, uh, Groupon was was still branded as My City Deal, mm-hmm. um, and uh, was basically um, a, a sort of subsidiary of of, of Rocket Internet. Um, so they had launched multiple clones of Groupon back in the day, <clears throat> and then um, they ran really well in, in in parts of Europe. So Groupon just yeah decided to um, yeah take over. <laughs> my city deal. And that was my first, uh, yeah, job. So, and what were you doing at Groupon, mm-hmm. by the way? So I was, I was, uh, involved in the HR, uh, uh building up the HR processes and processes and policies. Um, and, uh, of course, hiring a lot of people. Um, so back in the day, I mean, if you think about it, I joined, 
uh, group one when we were like 20 people in the London office or 30 people, I think. Um, so it was quite small. And then uh, we ramped up within like two years to, I think it was 400, 500 people in the, in the office. Um, and that, of course, was a very, very... Um, a fantastic experience to to have and you 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 basically saw the the um the growth of a company within a very short amount of time um which is and spectacular growth actually yeah. correct me if i'm wrong but isn't groupon also very big in china or is there anything like coupon things because because i'm pretty yeah. sure that there's one very big player in china as well i don't know if it's groupon or so, I mean, I'm not sure about the space in, in China, to be honest. Of course, um, there's Alibaba in, in Asia and they probably have some sort of like, um, yeah, company that's probably. focusing on that as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> so you finished university after studying HR and HR processes, like you said, and your first job was straight away Groupon, yeah. which is actually quite an enviable, assuming that it's a rocket internet company. Yeah. So it has a lot of capital behind it so the chances of it failing it's actually quite hard if we Mm -hmm. can say that it can fail as any company but i assume that having that amount of capital you can do a lot of things so how long were you working for groupon i was working there roughly two and a half years two and a half years yeah and I worked all the way to the IPO, basically. And then when things um, sort of stagnated, yeah, so when really like formal uh, policies and processes due to this IPO came in place, um, this was no longer really a place that I thought was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so you're already interested in more agile teams, let's call it that way. Well, I, you know, what, what, what got, caught my attention was this growth phase. Yeah? So really the phase... Um, when you're ramping up, um, going from zero to one, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I learned a lot from, from guys that are still in the industry. Yeah. So, uh, the CEO back, back in the day of Groupon, there was Chris Moore, who's now, uh, was the founder, uh, one of the founders of Auto Eins here in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, a lot of great, of course, ex McKinsey and BCG managers there, um, were basically, um, that provided me with a lot of learning. So I saw how to uh, manage and, 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 and scale up teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really inflicted my interest. And also, of course, I mean, you mentioned this, um, this fact that, okay, we had, uh, you know, there was money there, um, but basically, um, I, we learned to, to work with a lot of artificial pressure, right? So, um, and there's still a tactic that, that is probably, uh, necessary in most startups <clears throat> when you're feeling very comfortable mm-hmm. um, you need to really get out of the seat stand up and 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 really focus and drive f- forward and this you can do a lot through artificial uh, pressure if i may ask what got you less interested after the ipo because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't want to sound too general here but yeah. maybe the, the question might sound a little bit weird but yeah. i assume that if you grow a company form from 20 people in london all the way to an ipo it has to be quite big, the growth, the, the thing that you're interested in. But after the IPO, there's also a lot of struggles, I assume. Yes. I've never done yeah. an IPO, yeah. probably never will. But yeah. I assume that going through that stage also has a lot of challenges, right? Yeah. I think there's 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 triggers, right? And um, I think along those two and a half years, there was a lot of triggers. But one of the big triggers for sure was um, when we, and I remember this quite clearly, when we had to basically um, outsource customer service, for example, and we had to had huge layoffs back then. Um, and this was a process 
um, that I thought, okay, if we maybe had known this prior that maybe to not insource some functions, then we, we would have never had this problem, right? Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that actually might be interesting yeah. for business people who don't know, do, don't want to go through firing sprees. Yeah. What, what are their, the, the, the the knowledge that you gain from it, their experience. So so I mean this is and this is what we do as well today at OrgoS, for example, or at WeFox where I worked prior previously. I was always a big fan of setting setting up a function, um, testing it, um, trialing it, and then um, uh, if it works um, and it's and it's very maybe um, standard work that you can outsource, then always outsource and have the flexibility, right? Um, because I think there's nothing worse than having to lay off people actually. So growing sustainably, um, and that, that can also mean that maybe in the beginning you have one customer service rep, mm -hmm. you, you, you basically set up all the processes and policies with this person, all the, uh, all the operations. Um, and then, um, you basically look at, um, scaling this, but not in-house, but and outsourcing to outsourcing. agencies yes. or other consultancy businesses because this puts the risk basically to another third party yeah? and this also means that this per third party anyway has contracts with these employees so if they don't if they don't have a project with us they'll receive a project from someone else so they don't get laid off essentially but how do you how do you define when a process is no longer manageable in-house and when it's good for to do it outsource or do you think it's import sorry or do you think it's important to outsource it from the get-go no no i think from the start you have to basically define the, uh, the the processes and the operations and you have to see what works and what doesn't work right mm -hmm. so really you know that starts with a, a process flow chart and then optimizing it and seeing how it works seeing the triggers in this flow chart and then trialing it and 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 seeing how it works in real life with real customers um, and then when you see, okay, this works fine, there's no hiccups along the line and it's just repeatable. So you can repeat this process over and over again. Then I would take this process and I would give it to, um, basically these maybe call centers or whatever, or whomever you're outsourcing in it, because they're also experts in repeating things on a very high level on very high SLAs, basically. I assume it's always scary when you have to go on a firing spree. I, I don't just say scary as in, ooh, I don't know if we're going to make it, but as a person that you scaled that company, you saw those people get in, you trained those people, you educated to go on a fire. But did you go on a, did you fire all those people because their role was no longer manageable or was there anything that you over managed to, to get yeah. to that point? I think that's interesting and important for me to learn as well is how do I see or are, they, are there any metrics, anything that I can understand when no one, a group of people or even a whole department, it's no longer a, a, a good asset to have in the company and should be outsourced? Mm. Of course, is there any metric or is there any time, let's yeah. put it this way, yeah. that you can understand when it starts to become a burden on the, on the growth of the company itself? So mm. is there any time in a business where you see, for example, customer service department no longer being a good asset for the company yeah. and that you should outsource maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of, of metrics that are important here is things like turnover, right? Engagement rates of, of people, um, you know, how, how often are they maybe not actually in the office? Are mm -hmm. they, um, you know, what's the tendency to, to have sick days, for example, and all these metrics you can assess and, and, um, you know, hiring and retaining, 
um, I would say, work like call center work, for example, is, is very tough, right? Because it takes a certain type of person also um, to do this job um, and to stay focused. And, and, and it's a very repetitive, monotonous job, basically, right? that's done. Um, so... Yeah, if you see metrics uh, such as yeah, absence levels, of course, is a is a is a is a growth because, of course, as a as a company, uh, your 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 overheads that you have, your people overheads are super expensive, right? They're a huge amount of the budget, and this is also what um, a lot of founders also uh, look at immediately, and um, because it's a it's a it's a large, uh, basically, cost bucket is mm -hmm. the people. So when you have an issue um, in the company. Um, uh, the tendency to look towards the people uh, people operation cost is quite high, right? So, and that's where that's where it really gets quite dangerous, and that's why maybe outsourcing something like this is a good solution. Interesting. So, and you already mentioned WeFox. So, basically, did you go from Groupon directly to WeFox, or was there anything in the middle? So, so, so after I was at Groupon, I was um, involved in another smaller uh, startup in London, sitting in the Google Tech Hub. Um, it was a bit like um, Airbnb, but for students. Um, and I gained some um, some 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 cool insights. And what how was the company? It was called back in the day Flat Club. They are now they rebranded themselves. I think I saw. Um, so, um, I, you know, I learned how to, and this was a company that was maybe like 15 people large, um, how to grow a smaller company. Um, and, um, afterwards I, um, well, I finished my master's in London as well, um, did that and then came back to Berlin where I, uh, basically started as a, as a management consultant and I flew around a lot, mainly working on with, uh, with, uh, DAX customers. So, um, big corporates uh, also is uh, DAX uh, Deutsche Aktien Index. So um, you know those guys that are in like the top uh, uh, publicly traded, publicly traded companies. Yeah, okay. so larger companies, mm -hmm. usually uh, hidden champions. For example, maybe from Munich, um, there are some large companies. Um, and I really worked on a lot of uh, a lot of restructuring topics and a lot of procurement topics. Um, which basically was a completely different focus. Um, I had to adapt, learn new skills, right? Excel skills were super important, of course, as a consultant. Um, presentation skills were quite, quite important. Um, and, um, yeah, but it was a, it, it was a tough learning curve. It was like a, a bit of an elbow, um, you know, society there where you really had to position yourself and, 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 uh, yeah, really fight actually in, in this environment. You mentioned Excel skills among other skills that you had. So let's tackle on that yeah, phase yeah. four, phase first already. Yeah. Where did you learn those skills? Was it on the job or did you have any kind of book yeah. or resource that you hung on to, to be able to learn these particular skills? Yeah. So, um, actually it's a really lame qu quote, but I think it's a quite important quote and it's one by Richard Branson. And it's basically, um, when he says, you know, um, take the challenge first basically, and then see if you can do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is, I think this is a very basic entrepreneurial mentality. Okay, if you, if, if you, if you encounter a problem, you start tackling it um, and you learn in the process how to solve it, essentially. And you mm -hmm. can't be afraid to do this. So this is same thing goes for the Excel, Excel things, right? Um, in my interview, they asked me, okay, how are your Excel skills? I said, yeah, they're okay. Right. They were, they were good. Were uh, they? And they were, I would say, medi mediocre. And then they said, okay, cool. You're hired. And so then two, two, three weeks before I started my, my, my job, 
I basically, you know, taught myself Excel. So, um, did like YouTube, watched YouTube, watched all these things. Um, and you can just do a lot through that. Uh, it's all in your own hands, basically. Um, and I, I know a lot of people that, that have done it that way. So, yeah. I like it. And th that's the main area that I think that's also important. I mean, unless you're st studying specific set of skills that are more technical or that you actually need a university, I'm a firm believer of the democratization of education. And that's also something that I plan on doing this with the Pioneers Show is that show that you don't need a professional degree or academic degree to be a consultant yeah. from HR, which even though there's kind of in the same area of business, it's not yeah. remotely similar. So, and now that you going back to WeFox, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you were working for a management consulting. How did WeFox yeah. appear in your life? What is WeFox? So, so I think, I guess this is the part in life where you also have to be a bit, a bit lucky, right? Um, and there's always luck. You can, you can force your luck. I'm a big believer of uh, being able to force your luck. So put yourself into position, positions where, um, you know, luck might come along. Um, but sometimes you have to be lucky and basically... My, um, one of my old school friends, Julian, who's the CEO of and founder of WeFox. Um, so we went to school together and, um, I hired him back in the day for Groupon. Um, and he stayed there, I think six, seven months. And then he basically cloned the Groupon business and took it to uh, Switzerland. And he was running a much more, uh, successful business to Groupon in Switzerland back in the day. Um, and yeah, he successfully exited that and started WeFox in, in Berlin, essentially. Um, and he knew that, you know, I had seen how a company scales, how, how, how an HR department works, um, how all these, how all these processes work. So, um, in the beginning when he was still in Switzerland, he called me and was like, Hey, can you basically help me, you know, set up, uh, this, this department, help me set up HR. Um, he also got me on board by a very innovative approach, uh, approach based on self management called holacracy holacracy yeah, yeah. So we already nicholas, mentioned that with the nicholas yeah. interview yeah exactly so he caught my interest interest with that as well um and um yeah then when we fox was i think maybe 20 people or something not even um he called me up and, and 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 asked me hey would you be willing would you be ready to take a risk and i said yeah sure okay let's do it um, I like the sound of the company. I, I believe that their insurance market, um, is ready for, you know, to be tackled. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the business model is good. Um, and I can help you. I know that my skills will help you. So I took the flight. I went to, to Zurich from Berlin, mm -hmm. stayed there a couple of months and then set up the initial processes in Zurich. Uh, then we expanded to Berlin, set up, uh, the office here, um, uh, incorporated an office in Vienna. Um, and, um, also in Barcelona and basically, um, then grew in, in the time of about, uh, two years that I was there or two and a half years that I was there from, yeah, from like these 15 people to a hundred, I think there are now 160, 170 people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's take these two steps for anyone that didn't listen to the Nicholas episode, which I highly recommend. What's holacracy? So <laughs> you're asking, basically, I, I, the last time I practiced holacracy was about one and a half years ago. So, um, but, but what it basically is, is a, a more self-managed approach, um, to, to working. So that means, um, every individual in a company can have more than one role. 
this, uh, for example, I could have a role in, in, in marketing and I can have a role in HR and I can have a role in finance. Mm -hmm. um, and these roles are created by the organization and by individuals on a, on a biweekly basis, for example. And people are only uh, moved in the company as resources. So the only, the, 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 the job that the manager now has is only to move resources within the companies in these roles. Um, so basically he can shift uh, my resources into a role in marketing and in finance or in finance and in sales, for example, um, based on me, of course, willing to take this job. Yeah? So it's a much more flexible approach because um, individuals have a lot of, of skills that you can't really force into one job spec, right? So usually you you join a company, you have one job spec and that job spec always uh, uh, stays the same. Mm -hmm. um, with this approach, you're basically agile, creating new roles in the company and, and, and adjusting the resources according to the demands. Mm. Because my, 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 my key skills, which maybe uh, might be uh, presentational skills, can be used in marketing, but can also be used in sales. Why should I only have one job spec and be able to utilize my skill set in marketing? Why can't I use it in sales as well? For example. But are you going to be flexible in going to multiple? Are you going to be working in multiple departments at the same yeah, time? For sure, you call them circles. Then, yeah, so they're not no longer departments; they're called circle. It's a it's a different name for a department. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Once again, I highly recommend anyone to listen to Nicholas episode. We go deeper into holacracy specifically. So you started working at WeFox. Yeah. What's WeFox? You already mentioned it's insure tech, but going yep. a little bit deeper into that area. What is it? Yeah. So basically what we've built is a platform to manage all your insurance insurances. So um, as a customer, um, you can basically digitally, you have a folder for of your all insurance, full transparency of your insurances um, and the ability to also uh, um, sign and close new insurances via, via click, via signature in app. Yeah, so mm -hmm. if you're ever in need, it's very uh, hassle-free. You don't need to, uh, you know, get uh, get a delivery of, of 40, 60 pages of paper to your house, but you can just sign an app, for example. Um, you have the opportunity, if you're not sure about things, to be um, consulted by uh, cons uh, consultants mm -hmm. um, and um, helped with your insurance. Um, you will be helped with your 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 claims as a as a as a as a customer. Um, and yeah, so if you, so it basically does everything for you and it's not, uh, it doesn't affect the money you spend, right? So it doesn't, basically, the customer does not have to pay. I like that. So, okay, let's assume that we have someone listening to this conversation and that person is saying that I've been in this company for, for a while doing HR. Mm -hmm. Let's and then goes into management specifically already said that these skills can be YouTube tutorials specifically for Excel and those things. But is there any book or resource that you recommend to these people that might be wondering into yeah. how to leave the HR world mm -hmm. and go to a much more strategy, innovation, management position? So I wouldn't recommend like a practical book. Um, which te teaches you skills. Um, I, I think the most important thing is probably the trigger, right? That triggers, um, enables you also from a mindset. I think it's a mindset perspective. Yeah. So you need to get out of a mindset where you think I can only do this and that because it's not true. 
and you can do whatever you want. And basically, there's a there's for example a book of, uh, of a philosopher, a professor of philosophy from UPenn, uh, Angela Duckworth, um, and it's basically I think it's even called Grit. Um, and in this book, she mentions that the main um, the main skill um, uh, to have or characteristic of successful people is actually grit and perseverance. Yeah? So grit being the ability to cope with um, rejections, being tough, um, and um, you know, um, being able to to basically conquer new challenges. So I, I would recommend this book in short. Grit. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so now you're working at WeFox, now in, in this chronological area. Yeah, yeah. You're working at WeFox, you're doing HR for this incredible company, you're yeah. using your own knowledge yeah. in terms of how to scale up HR teams. Yeah. What, what then, I mean, you're already pretty successful because I assume that company is growing. Yeah. The company grows, you're getting, you're being more successful as a company, you're being more successful as a, as a professional person. What makes you, can we consider, first of all, WeFox as a startup or is it more of a company? Well, I don't, I'm not sure. I would say it's in between a, a startup and a grown up, right? Somewhere. Okay. Um, yeah. So what makes you leave yeah. that company and start OrgOS? Okay. So I'm always a firm believer of basically, um, as soon as you, uh, as soon as you, um, learned a new skill and ability to basically, optimize the skill and ability and, and then work on this um, and on, on, on these skills. And as soon as you are a master of these, you basically give it away and you teach someone else how to do it. And then you go on to the next thing and learn something else. Mm. So this is how basically I also ran the HR department at WeFox pretty simply, right? I set up the first payroll processes and so forth in, in Switzerland myself. I did everything myself and then I hired someone there she, uh, he or she did it. And then I went to Berlin, did the same thing here, um, hired someone here to do it. So as, as soon as I did you it, you were outsourcing some, some things for yourself, for basically. myself. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was still in the company, right? Yeah. And but it you was were just, still, you're outsourcing your own role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. That's it. Um, and then I go on to the next topic. Um, uh, I tackle it. I learn how to do it. I, 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 I do it myself and then I optimize it and then I give it away again. And this is essentially the same process that happened with my own role. So, um, I would say I was sort of at the, at the pinnacle for my understanding what I wanted to do, what I wanted to reach in this company. Um, so there was a good team set up. There was, um, relatively good processes set up. Um, and so it was, was time for me to move on to the next challenge. Um, and, uh, that's where, that's where OrgoS really came into play. And what is OrgoS? So OrgoS is a, uh, a, and stands for organizational operating system. It's basically an HR platform, uh, to digitize all your, your HR needs. So all the way from, from HR admins, such as maybe onboarding or time off absence approval, um, to, um, to recruiting, uh, and then also at looking at the engagement levels of your employees and really developing them further, um, according to their needs. So you tackle all the HR needs of a company from hiring or you don't tackle hiring as well? We tackle hiring as well. Yeah, for sure. So you're main, basically an admin back office to a company. Yeah. So, um, 
it depends on how you look at us, right? So on the one hand side, we're basically the backbone of the HR department. Um, so we provide you with, um, as, a, as a startup, for example, with, uh, with a backbone to scale and, and put policies and processes in place mm -hmm. um, and for you to concentrate on, on really important things, uh, so such as um, really deep conversations also with employees um, and not focusing too much on the administrative side. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, you know, looking at, the, at the, the employee engagement. You're the backbone of the company. You're yeah, taking so, care of uh, authorizations when someone leaves. Yeah, offboarding, I would say. Offboarding. Yeah. Ah, so when I said leaves, is on vacation. Ah, okay, yes, that. But is you're well. doing offboarding as well. Yeah, you're doing onboarding. So you're managing the whole life cycle of any employee. Exactly. That's it. Do you yeah. take care of payroll? Um, so payroll, we're, we're we also take care of, but um, not specifically. It's not our that's not our focal point. I would say. But it. And this might be a weird question, but is yeah. HR usually the ones that take care of that? Um, yeah, to a certain extent. Usually you have payroll outsourced. Um, so, of course, we provide a platform where you can upload e-payslips, e -pay um, download them. You have your your um, your compensation history mm -hmm. in our in our tool. But, um, but uh, yeah, for sure, it doesn't allow you basically to calculate uh, your, for, for example, your net... Uh, net salary or something like this that doesn't work with that we don't do that we're not a we're not a a calculator basically for okay so for you're more in the hr assistance skill and this is yeah. actually something that i'm really passionate about not hr specifically i'm sorry okay. about that but i think that every time someone builds a product that's meant to empower someone else some department some person something I think that's always very interesting to hear about what you're the co-founder, correct? Yeah. What were the main drives? Yeah. Did you feel like something was missing? What made you create OrgOS? So I think an important one uh, or one important thing in this, in this um, to take away as well is you shouldn't be afraid to pivot business models. So when we started or when OrgOS started, uh, it was actually a, a, a business model or it was a model focused on, on the employee, um, whereas um, it was sort of based on this idea of self-management um, where all you did was so basically... taking the whole accuracy method. Yeah, exactly. And it was basically focused on, um, you know, putting the necessary re resources um, from a people perspective uh, and matching it with a demand. So it was more like a staffing tool. Uh, um, and then we realized quickly that actually this approach is a very niche one. Um, so, we, so we pivoted and then we created a holistic, basically, platform for all your needs. Uh, because we, we, we also learned that there are a couple of solutions out there, um, but they're not very good from a technical perspective and they do not focus on the employee And we really want to focus on employee. He's our basically end user, and he should um, he should log into the system. He should use it. Um, he should love it, um, and uh, possibly he should go to the company and say, "Hey, I've used OrgOS in the past. I love it. It's great. It helped me a lot. I want to use it again." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. And what made you? Uh, you already mentioned that the first market was a little bit nichey. Mm. But what was the main mental build that made you want to... Because I don't think I've talked with a lot of people that have gone through pivots. I've talked with one person that went through four. Uh -huh. So that kind of averages out. But 
What made you go from a very niche niche market to a more holistic view of how an HR department runs? Mm. Well, I think there's a lot of trends in HR, uh, same as there are, are in any other um, industry. And banking on one trend is pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. So banking on the self-management trend, yeah, um, it can be great and can it work. It can work. But it's nothing that fixes all your problems. And um, I didn't believe or I don't think it's a sustainable solution, this, this holacracy. So actually, I, I'm a, I, I believe that it works for some companies, but for others, it doesn't, for example. So, hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> what If I may ask, what's... Okay, then let me change the question. In your own mind, what are the benefits of holacracy and what are the disadvantages that might make some business be fitted to use that practice? Hmm. Okay, so the advantages of holacracy are, for example, that you really have a quite a democratic process, I would call it, uh, whereas everyone in the company has a say and is heard and has a voice and the organizational structure and, and, and policies and all these things are adapted according to really the employees also wishes. On the other hand side, you also have employees who do not want to take part in those things, right? They're happy to do their own, uh, their own repetitive tasks and monotonous tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they feel uncomfortable with having to take an active role within a company to structure this, this company. And to and, and 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 to shape the company, so it depends on the type of person as well, right? So if you look at the uh, the empower people, these guys are you know full of energy, full of willingness to change and adapt and to test out new things, to trial things. But there's maybe also people that don't that don't work like that and don't operate that are happy um, uh, doing things just as usual and. and I understand. I think I understand. So it seems like holacracy, it's a very interesting approach, but like you said, it's not an end-all be-all solution for all businesses. Depends on how the culture it's cultivated from the get-go. Yeah, sure. So, and what have been the main struggles of OrgOS as you're building? Mm -hmm. Because you, you, it seems like besides that company that was Airbnb for students, from the moment you started working, you were plugged into already existing companies. Mm-hmm. Groupon, you went into the London building, uh, London office, so which means that you were already, there was already a pretty big following in Berlin. Mm-hmm. When you went to WeFox, you said you were 20 people, but even so, it was already quite successful in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Well, so sorry. it was pre-launch in Switzerland, to be honest. So actually that wasn't so such a sustainable uh company yet or a stable company right so and the only money that was in there was angel money Mm -hmm. so there was no professional round back in the day in WeFox Um, so it was actually quite a big risk Um, and um, taking that to the challenges now um, I guess it's the multitude of tasks that you have to be willing to do in, in the beginning to find the answer to growth essentially Mm-hmm. And so that's one of my main roles in the in the company is growing from a revenue perspective. So um, you know, figuring out what are the what are the channels that work um and and then you know um 
also of course uh, you know focusing on on maybe completely other tasks in the meantime so such as for example um, having to convince investors or or um, you know um, running marketing initiatives or all these things that are basically very different tasks you have to combine into one basket and you always you have to juggle a lot of balls essentially at the same time so that's the main I think that's the main that's the main um, struggle struggle yeah. but at the same time that I feel like that might be very interesting for you because yeah. you seem from your experience from some of the answers that you just gave me you seem like someone who thrives yeah. or strives Thri I, I do thrive in the yeah I thrive in this environment and I would say it's a love-hate relationship right and it's and for me it's about the balance always um, so it's it's the balance of of really, um, you know, stretching yourself, mm -hmm. but not overstretching yourself in, the, in these tasks. And so um, I love stress, but um, I think there's healthy stress and there's really bad stress. Um, a lot of pressure. And a lot of pressure. I love pressure as well, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that these are separate in the business world when we're talking about launching a company? And what I've been feeling when I talk with a lot of people is that sometimes pressure gets mistaken with the, no, stress gets mistaken to the body response to pressure. Mm. someone might be interested in pressure but why not love stress does that make sense do you like the two feelings mm. so I think pressure is an external factor right mm -hmm. that that affects you and stress is something you can control and and and, and, and um, work with yourself as mm -hmm. an individual um, so I think it's something you can combat and you can learn how to deal with um, and that's of course that is of course very interesting for me myself as also a founder to put myself into positions that maybe I'm not so comfortable with, but then I learn how to do it and I and I and I and I thrive maybe under this under this sort of pressure that maybe also put, puts me under stress, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I learn how to cope with it essentially. You seem like a person who, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is actually something that's captivating you a lot in this conversation. Is that you seem like someone who has a very specific background in terms of HR organization, but then you've been jumping around in different roles, even though specifically for WeFox, you were back in that train, even though you were no longer looking at it in an HR performance perspective, but more on an operational level. How can I op optimize and outsource your own role? But in OrgOS as a co-founder, usually it's very hard to outsource your own self. Yeah. And now you were saying about marketing meetings, investor meetings, doing A, B, and C. How, mm. what, is there any, I'm going back to the resources because this yeah. is a much more career-focused yeah. podcast. But yeah. at the same time, first of all, let's jump, focus on resources. Yeah. Is there any books yeah. besides Grit? You already mentioned that. Is there any yeah. books, any online courses, any magazine that you, or any audiobook, I don't care, any podcast that you might listen that you might feel like it's very important for people who might feel like they're at an, a disadvantage when they're not a technical co-founder or they come for a much more social mm. science like HR, I assume it is. Because mm. you're a co-founder of a tech company in, mm. in, in, mm. in HR, even though it's HR, it's tech company. Mm. Yeah. It's a SaaS product, even though. I'm yeah. Um, so there's a lot of SaaS podcasts that I listen to, right? So SaaS Doc, for example, um, and all these uh, podcasts that 
of course I listen to in my, in my, in my free time. And, um, that helped me a lot, um, especially with topics that maybe I have never acquainted before this, right? So I've never been in B2B SaaS. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's a very specific, um, business with very, uh, specific metrics such as ACV, ARR, all these things. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I, I need to stop you. Yeah. For people who don't know what those terms are, can you just give a leg, just a literal translation of what that means? Yeah. So, I mean, SaaS is software as a service. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And ACV is just annual contract volume, for example, but you would never know this. Or MRR, for example, Mostly is recurring month. revenue. Yeah, exactly. And those things are, are, are very important uh, metrics, of course, that you're looking at. Um, and you just need to get a feeling um, of, of, of basically this, this, uh, this sales environment of a B2B SaaS solution. Um, you know, who are you selling to? What are the businesses? Are they startups? Um, are they enterprise level? Because the sales cycle can be very, very long. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you need to basically uh, figure out quickly, okay, what is the route that you're picking? Um, is it, is it the right one? Am I going down this, this one properly? So this again goes back to this topic of resources where, where I'm constantly thinking about, Where do I spend my resources as a, as a, as a founder, basically? Um, because you have a very, of course, you have a very limited amount of resources and you need to spend it there where it's the most effective and the most efficient. So a lot of the times I will try to just, um, you know, take time off or in the evenings, like do something completely else, go out, jog. And I think about, um, all the ways to spend my resources the next three days. And I'm really into planning as well. So I completely structure my days um, according to my calendar. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's very important. This might be one of the most interesting conversations I've had in terms of non-technical founders arranging methods and their own automations that I've heard. I mean, he, everyone in the, the pioneers podcast has been incredible, but you seem to have a different approach, even in thinking of, in talking about it. I mean, And I congratulate you on that because you are making me think about specific areas that, but in specific ways, and I'm adapting my own thought. And I hope that everybody that's listening can feel like I am feeling like now that there's something there. I, I, I still don't understand why are you saying that it's touching me here in my head, but there's something that's bumping me in the back of my head. That's making me think like, Hmm, <laughs> make me think. <laughs> Um, okay, now it's a sign for the lightning round. Yeah, cool. Lightning round is really easy. Yeah. I'll ask you one question or yeah. do a sentence in dot, 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 and you have less than one minute to answer. Okay. Okay? Yeah. What are, what's the main book that has impacted you the most? It doesn't have to be business. It's the main book that has impacted you the most. Mm. Besides grid, please. Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Laloux. Also mentioned already in the Nicholas podcast. Oh, okay. Oh, then I have to move to another one, right? Uh, no worries, no worries. I think that's interesting because eventually if that person is still alive, I might try to say, hey, yes. we've had people, let's get you on the podcast. Let's figure out what's the main thing that's going in that mind that's impacting all these minds. Yeah. Uh, is, tell me something you've changed your opinion in the last six months. I would say what I've learned is probably actually quite painful, but... Um, actually it wasn't painful at all. It just took balls was basically to differentiate, differentiate between things that are important and unimportant. And if they're unimportant, 
then you have to cut them out of your life. Okay, then we'll have to take a little bit more than one minute of this. <laughs> if you don't mind, if yeah, it's too personal, sure. we don't have no, to, no, to go, go deeper into this. But yeah. how, is, is there any framework, mental framework that made you decide what's important and unimportant? Mm. And we're talking about important yeah. things. Are we talking about friends? Are we talking about... Uh, it can be anything. Things. It can be anything, really. I would. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I'm talking a lot about business, but it can. You can also refer this to other areas. But um, basically, you need to think about. So I, I was at a stage where I was doing a lot, lot, lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and and um, I had the feeling I was only moving forward very slowly. Um, so because I was doing this multitude of stuff. Um, with, for, with a high quantity, I wasn't doing everything as focused as I could. So then I decided to look at my calendar again, all the stuff that I had set up, all my emails and decided to look, okay, what can I cut out? So I just, as a very practical thing, I looked at my meetings and I said, okay, I'm not going to go do this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And then I took my time and I focused on the, the things that no I, are important. that are important. Yeah. Interesting. Um, is there any life motto or quote that you like to live by? So I, I guess my one would just be listen more actually. And that's a lot of, a lot of people give this advice, but I, I would just recommend it because you learn so much by listening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. Um, because there's, there can be so much mis- miscommunication when you think you know something about someone or, or you know something about a situation and you actually don't in fact, because you never listened. Okay. And you can't solve the problem or you can't, you can't, um, you don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. If I gave you six months to prepare to do a TED talk and couldn't be about OrgOS, what would it be about? It would probably be about the ability of, of an individual to achieve anything they want if they mm-hmm. put their mind to it. I think, you know, it's, I think it's a, it's completely up to us up to us yeah it's all psychology okay two other questions and then we say goodbye what if you had the chance to go back in time and have a conversation with just graduated self what would be the first words you would say to him rather than hey I'm from the future listen to me what would be the first things you would say I would say trust yourself more last question of the lightning round what are the physical activities not business related that you see that have the most impact in your life? Physical activities. So um, for sure, I mean, I, I, I used to play a lot of, of field hockey, tennis, all these things in my past. And then um, I just didn't have the time and the flexibility to, um, to follow this anymore. So since the last four or five years, um, I had to basically go out and do sports and jog a lot, which is a very boring task. And I, I hate don't it. think it is. I love jog. If really? I didn't have injury in my back, I would jog every day. Really? Cause those are the days that those are the times that my have total mental clarity yeah. or I'm back on my podcast or I just, for example, I'm not a big runner because I've, huge back spine issues. But at one point I remember I did a 10 K run and after that take then 10 K run, I remember everything that was in my mind, it flew off every, everything that I had to to schedule for that week. I scheduled in my head and I got into a paper, wrote everything down, go to, got sleep. When I got back, I was energized and was ready to tackle things head on because I think that it's one of the most personal things someone can do when it's alone. It's, I think it's a cliche. Um, but it's true. Um, when it's you completely shut off yeah, and you, and you don't think about yeah. it, 
then the best ideas come and that's all the, always the way it is. So I, that's the thing I look most forward to when I go jogging or I'm in the morning in the shower or whatever, because those are the instances when you're not thinking about work and you have the best ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, uh, this, uh, this monotonous job of running around, um, and, uh, trying to sweat as much as possible, uh, is a bit frustrating in, in my per perspective. I would rather have a football in front of me or I don't know, something to For chase. For me it's a basketball. <laughs> if I had a basketball, yeah. cool. I could spend three hours playing basketball. Okay, cool. Max, yeah. thank you so much for your time. It was really a great pleasure having you on the Pioneers Show. Where can people find more about OrgOS and where can people find you? Sure, for sure. So we're on, you can find us on www.orgos.io, um, of course, on Twitter as well. And you can find me on LinkedIn or anywhere, or you can email me if you have a question, max at orgos.io. Happy to, uh, for you to reach out. Max, it was a great pleasure having you here on the Pioneer Show, and I hope to see Orgos reach the heights that it truly deserves. Have Thank a great you. time. Thank you, Andre. Thanks. Thank you so much for plugging into this episode. I truly, truly hope you love this conversation as much as I did. Max was a great sport, and he's really interesting, as is his company. I do encourage that you reach out to him, for I'm sure he'll be able to give you some pointers for what you're trying to achieve in your life. Any other information that you might have missed will probably be linked up in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation, consider subscribing to make sure that this podcast grows, we can get some more people and help everyone be the pioneers of their lives and careers. Also, if there's any feedback, feel free to reach out to me on social media. A big thank you to Max for his time and to Thibaut Flondlin, aka DJ Rodia, for the music of the show. It's great being back launching new episodes. So, until next time, have a nice time. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.